This podcast was recorded on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples. We acknowledge and thank the Lekwungen people, also known as the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations communities, for their stewardship, care, and leadership on these lands. Turn it on. Hey, hey, what's up? I'm Brad Schallner. This is Coach's Calls, conversations with the leaders of lacrosse, a place where we get deeper into the insights and philosophies of some of lacrosse's greatest minds. It's the holiday season, a new year on the horizon. hope you're doing well, and thanks for listening to the podcast and for hanging out. Maybe you're driving down a snow-covered Canadian highway somewhere to go see family. Maybe you're stuck in an airport like a lot of lacrosse players are. Uh, maybe you're working out. You're grinding. Good for you. Appreciate you listening and happy holidays from my family to yours. I've been saving this next episode for this time of year specifically. But first of all, this podcast wouldn't even exist without Kurt Malowski. One of our pregame rituals and routines for the NLL on TSN is to chat with each head coach before the game of the week. We prep storylines, we get insights on players, anything to help the broadcast really. And the chats with Kurt are usually my highlight of game weeks. And you'll hear why. He talks a mile a minute. He goes off on tangents, super well-prepared, super smart. And honestly, I have to listen to his interviews like two to three times sometimes to transcribe my notes and hear what he's saying because he gives off so much information. But that's what we love about the guy. It's like taking a university class in lacrosse. Honestly, no one has taught me more. I've been around the sport pretty much my entire life. No one has taught me more than having conversations with Kurt Malowski. He always brings the goods. The other reason I wanted to drop this episode at this time of year, because behind everything Kurt stands for at the end of the day, it's family first. You heard about it. You'll hear about his wife, Jilda. You'll hear about his kids, Cody and Dawson hanging out at the rink. You'll hear about his mom and not sure if he still does this or not, but Kurt was always famous for having the best Christmas light display on his block in Coquitlam, which I always thought was kind of the coolest and most perfect juxtaposition of the intensity that he gives off from behind the bench. Like passion is there, the lacrosse IQ is there, but behind it all is a good family man. And I remember a story too of after he won the 2019 NLL championship with Calgary, there's a photo of him online literally the next day coaching novice back home in Maple Ridge. And think about that. Head coach of the NLL championship team on a Saturday night, coaching novice in BC on a Sunday morning. Kurt is the brand new head coach of the Vancouver Warriors of the NLL. He signed a long-term deal with the team this past offseason after winning the Head Coach of the Year Award in Calgary and guiding the team to the West Final in 2023. He won a championship as mentioned as their head coach in 2019 and as a player in Calgary after a lengthy NLL career in 2009. He's a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer. He won a Man Cup as a player and three Minto Cups coaching the Burnaby Lakers and the Coquitlam Adnax. I hope you enjoy this chat. It's Kurt Malowski on Coach's Calls. Let's rewind to the summer because probably I would guess one of the most difficult decisions you've ever made in your life. You're coming off Les Bartley Award for Head Coach of the Year, a team that was a game away from the finals, a team that I think in Calgary is still set up for, for future success. And you leave it to come home and rebuild your hometown team. Just walk us through that decision this summer and and why you decided to come home. 
Well, it, it was it was a very, very, very difficult decision. Probably one of my toughest in my, my lacrosse coaching career. Um, I've been to Calgary for, you know, counting the COVID year, 16 years. And uh, um, I, I wanted, I didn't want to leave. Like, I'll be completely transparent. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay in Calgary. And, um, you know, I have some really, really good people I work with there. And uh, it just, it just turned out that I went through contract negotiations with, with Calgary. And uh, it wasn't that it, you know, it, it, it got to the point where I was going to have a conversation with, you know, uh, you know, see what was out there for free agents. I haven't done it before. I'd had a chance to see how free agency was going to work. Um, I gave Calgary my, my word that I'd give the, the last right or refusal, um, which, which I, which I, which I did, um, you know, the, the negotiations, I don't think they went the way that probably Calgary's led on to believe they went between myself and, and my board. But um, to be truthful, um, the way they ended up and we we're kind of near the end of the negotiations and, uh, I basically myself and Calgary had Mike board had agreed that um, we just weren't going to get there. And I had already, it was really tough on my family telling them that I was potentially coming to Vancouver. Uh, my little guy was in tears, you know, and he didn't want to talk to me for a few days. <laughs> and uh, it was very, he's very loyal. He said, dad, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay in Calgary. So in that process, I damage controlled it with, with my family. And, and uh, I, you know, I know what's best. He just didn't know what was best for the family for me coming home and being around his hockey and this field across and all the good stuff that I was missing in Calgary. Um, so I went back to Mike board and, and at that point I just said, listen, I, I've already discussed with my family. He told me basically it was best and final. And at that point I gave my commitment to the warriors and, uh, and then Calgary came back. But at that point I, I was a man of my word and I wasn't going back to it. So um, I'm not sure that's exactly how that got portrayed from Calgary side of it, but that's exactly how it happened. Unfortunately um, I had to say goodbye I love the guys. I love the organization. I loved everything. Um, it was very, very difficult, like I said. But, uh, you know, in meeting with the Aquilinis, when I had that opportunity after free agency was opened up, um, what a family, what 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 a group of uh, people that uh, really care about lacrosse in British Columbia. So, and, and I'm very like-minded with me. I really care a lot about growing the sport in the province. So, um, when that opportunity arose, it, it was a, it was it was kind of done in Calgary, and, and uh, Vancouver was – you know, welcome me with open arms and I wanted to be there. Um, I think it was just a, a great fit for everyone. Yeah. When I, when I heard the news and stepped back and sort of marinated on for a couple of days, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is a guy who's potentially leaving rings on the table in, in Calgary. Like I know how competitive you are. And, you know, I still think that Calgary is closer to more championships at this moment when we're talking right now, than the Vancouver Warriors are, but then I stepped back and looked at it just like you said, where, no, I think this might be more important than, than winning. Even this is about legacy and growing the game. Is that something that, that you think about how, and where does that importance come from in you to want to, to want to spread this thing in BC? Well, that's a great question, Brad. Uh, you know, winning is everything for me. It's everything. And, and it's, and it's so important. That was what I think was, was the toughest part is that we spent, 16 years setting the team up, um, you know, like board, myself, Bobby McMahon, Robbie Williams, when he was there, T rich bees, there was a whole bunch of us, Morsey. There's a whole bunch of us to put a lot of Laura, a lot of work into, into getting the team where it is. And that was what the hardest part was. And, you know, that was even the hardest part But walk it back three years when, you know, when you see Dobes leave and, you, and then you see Dixon leave and bell left and then Dutchie, Dutchie was going and Greg Garnett, you know, when we lost all those players, 
you know, on a championship after championship season. COVID got us in two twenty, but uh, twenty twenty. But you know, it was that was the hardest part is is that we could have been a dynasty that won year after year after year. And I, and I think uh, along with the great organization, great people there, that was one that that was the hardest thing for me is as competitive as I am was to leave it. You know, they're, they're a championship contender. There's no question. And they have a, a lot of great friends on that team still. I'm going to be cheering for them, but it, um, that was the biggest thing for me to, to walk away from that and, and then look at Vancouver and say, you know what? Um, we have, there's a lot of work to do here. Um, and, and, the importance of it just being in my home province and and family and being close to home and and just year after year hearing people say what's going on down there why 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 can't they fix that and some of the people that i really respect were kind of turning away from the game and not enjoying the product down, down vancouver so you know that once i put once i was able to shelve the winning side of things and then i just look you know big picture um, I, I just, it was a family decision first and foremost, but like I said earlier, just once, once I got that family atmosphere from the Aquilinis, when I met with, I met with all of them, which was, was pretty special and humbling from a guy from Coquitlam, never thought I'd be in a room with those type of people. And it was, and it was just amazing just how, how they, how they care so much about the sport. And, and, you know, you, you look at the four and 14 record and then you kind of paint the, paint the brush right across the board about uh, you know, it doesn't matter that much, it, you know, four and 14, they are what they are, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the case. They're genuine people that, that are extremely hardworking, that believe in hard work it brings you success. And, uh, and they believe in the family atmosphere and they're, they are committed, committed to growing the game of lacrosse in Vancouver. And I was, I was assured that, and, you know, when you sit across the table with a group of men that look in the eye and tell you that you believe them. And, uh, and that, that was for me was, was a big part of it. And it's like, I never, ever thought about myself personally. I still don't. It's all about the team. And, you know, I want to be known for the best teammate and one of the best player player coaches to be around, which is important for me. It's stats and championships aside, to be honest with you, Brad. And, and when I heard that, that type of culture and, and what they were talking about, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't help, but, but to say, you know what, I've always been a pay it forward guy, you know, Terry Sanderson, you know, I played a short stint with Les Bartley, um, Billy Monroe, Les Wingrove, some of the people that I really, really care about. And I know I'm missing a couple, but that I really care about taught me to pay it forward. And now there's an opportunity. I'm still relatively young in this coaching and GM game that I have an opportunity to try to help grow the game, the game that those guys taught me and showed me the way. And that I'm fortunate enough to be in the position that I'm in based on what they did. And now it's my turn to to try to, you know, pay it forward for everybody else that has an opportunity to, you know, when, when my time is gone for our kids, your kids, everyone, all the lower mainland kids, the fans and the people that deserve a great product here. That's what it was like for me. It's like, it's a job. I got a job to do here that I got to, I got to carry on the legacy of these guys that I care so much about and grow the game like they did. <clears throat> and albeit it might not be the national lacrosse league level, but the WLA and, and junior A and stuff like that when I've been around and, and the BCLA, they're doing a great job over there with, the, with Joe Crop and Jerry Van Beek. You know, it's amazing. So I, I feel that I can be a small, if I can be a small part of it and really help it, then I think that's important. And uh, it's because of what I was taught by previous guys. Is that, is that a lot of weight on your shoulders? Like there's, there's, there's pressure there because you want to be the guy to turn this around, but how do you struggle with that, that weight and that responsibility to, to try to be that guy? I've always, I've always dealt well with pressure. I don't, 
I don't, I don't look at, I don't look at outcome. Dr. David Cox taught me years and years ago, and it's, it's ingrained in the fabric of my coaching is that, uh, you know, that you, you focus on the process and the outcome takes care of itself. And that's how I've coached. I know a lot of people have been jumping on these five minute segments and a lot of, but you know, Patty Coyle and myself back when we played in 2001, when we had, when Doc had just brought Dr. David Cox around, he taught me that. And I've, and I've lived by it for the last 20 plus years and it's proved it's tried, tested, proven it works. And pardon me that I, um, that's the philosophy I'm going with here in Vancouver. It's, it's not going to be me. It's never, was never about me. It never will be about me. You know, surrounding yourself with really, really good people is the key to it. And then just staying grounded and, and focusing on the things that you can control. Um, you know, my mom taught me, I don't want to get emotional, but she's gone, but, uh, she taught me to be extremely hardworking, just, just work, 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 you know, and that's what I, that's what I've, it's been with me. It's just working as hard as you possibly can never get outworked. Um, you know, well done is better than well said. And the great Bobby McMahon, he's, he's my mentor to this day. And he, he, he taught me that. And, and it's, and we just, and then you put really good people around you that you can trust that, that are very like-minded, you know, Dave Sheldon, you know, the guys that I, that I, that I, I talked to down in uh, Vancouver and, and, and the Aquilini family and, they're all the same. And that's, and that's, it's, it's, we're it together. You know, you win together, you lose together. And and I, that's part of my coaching philosophy is, you know, you, your true sign of character shows in adverse situations. And when everything's good, everyone can walk around. I'm the guy. I've never been that person and I never will be that person. So um, success or failure. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't plan on failing at all, but the successes are shared. The failures are shared and I don't feel any pressure whatsoever. Um, to be honest with you, I don't, I'm, it's, I'm coming in to, to do a job and the job that I love and, and I'm not looking like I got to move the world. I got to change the cross in British Columbia, the cross in British Columbia is outstanding. And I just want to be a part of it. Is the ship going the wrong way in Vancouver the last couple of years? Unfortunately, it has for a various number of reasons. All I want to do is try to right the ship and, and just have the, the people of the province of British Columbia enjoying the successes that we have, you know, and I'm not saying that I don't even, I don't put a, a target on what those successes are going to be. I coach where you play, where your feet are, you play in the moment. And I'm the same way in Vancouver. I, I'm, you won't get an answer out of me what I think our season is going to turn out like, I don't know, but, but I'm going to be prepared every week. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down to the film sessions on Sunday nights and, and working through the week to prepare for the next week and where we end up. You know, we did the same thing in Calgary. We ended up with a few championships, and and we ended up with a thirteen and five in season, five uh, thirteen and five season last year. So, a lot of those philosophies that I've been taught by great, great people, I'm going to continue on. And a lot of that gets carried on, Kurt, by the guys that you bring in when you're team building. You've had an opportunity now to sign eleven new players and bring them to Vancouver with you. How do you know what kind of guys you want to bring in from a character standpoint that are going? to live and breathe your philosophies, carry that culture and, and play the way that you want them to. What kind of guys are you looking for? Well, I've been around the league long enough to, to really know all the guys in the league. And, 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 you know, I got a lot of great, great friends that are general managers and coaches in the national lacrosse league. And I really, really value their opinions. But I think the most is that you're, you're playing against all these guys for year after year and, and then you, you'll trade for a guy and that guy will come from this, this, this team and they'll talk about this guy. And, you know, I, I always say, and Bobby again teaches me, you know, good people will make, make good teams. And my, my peewee kids have, have known that just since, you know, since they've been like five or six years old, first thing they'll say, 
Coach Hurd always says good people make good teams. And 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 I'm not saying there's bad people out there, but they're, you know, for whatever reason, some guys play for a paycheck, which is okay. Some guys play for, you know, they want to they want to be Mr. Saturday night. And that's okay too. But there's there's people that 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 I really, really like that that are family men, um, that that really work hard at their jobs, very respectful, very well respected by their peers. Um, one championship set, you know, it's, it's great to bring good people in, um, for sure you have to, but, but that winning pedigree and that experience, you can't, can't buy it. You know, I've been taught that good old Jordy Dean back in the Sam Valley days taught me that experience. You can't buy it. You have to go through it and you have to learn and you have to learn how to get over that hump. And I know everybody has to win at some point, but if you can surround yourself with guys that, that understand it and that have walked it and can say, I know what it takes cause I did it and I've done it multiple times. That's, that's the other part that you want your young, young people to be a part. Cause I, you know, as you get disconnected might not be the right word, but as you remove, move up and stand on the bench and your elbows aren't on the dasher, not say that your word doesn't, doesn't carry a lot of weight. It does. But when those guys are in the battle and they're bleeding together and they're, and they're having those conversations and that's who those young guys need to learn from, because that's how, what I learned from is the older guys that I played with taught me the Eric Cowsons of the world taught me how to, how to be a leader and how to be successful. And, you know, and that's how I want those guys to learn from great people that, that are pros on the floor and off the floor. Like it's, it's great to be a pro on the floor, but a lot of it is, 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 is being a pro off the floor and, and growing the game and talking to the young fans and, and be a part of it. Because if you don't understand that part of it, a lot of guys don't last in this league. They might be great players, but if they're not good people off the floor, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but if they're not, that that's a big part of it too. So finding those those people that understand, you know, the culture that you want to create, and and you know the the culture that we're I'm bringing to Vancouver is, is our my culture that Bobby and myself, Robbie Williams and T Rich, Dwight Mackey that we believe in, and then you bring the right people to fit that culture and the people that we bring in and the people that are on the team are the guys that, that believe the same things that we believe in. And that's why you, you can organically grow that culture together. Right. Cause I was going to ask, how do you sort of, once those guys are in there, how do you, how do you foster that culture? But I guess it just kind of comes naturally when you're bringing in the right pieces that fit the vision. Yeah. That's got a lot to do with it. But I, but I also think like you, like I need, I, there's six or seven guys on the team that I coach. That was it. So you, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself that you know what you're doing and you understand the culture that you're bringing to the team and how important it is to you and why it's important to you. So there's certain things I'm not going to get into um, a part of my, but you know, too far into the, how I, how I, I sell the culture and how I create the culture, how we, I should say not I, how we create the culture. It's just certain words and certain things that we believe in. And then, and then putting them into place, um, and, and the players understanding that, that we're going to like, yeah, you're professional, but we're going to coach you up. And this is part of the part of, part of what it takes to be successful. And, and, you know, I got to earn their respect. I love those guys that are there right now. I'm getting to know them. I care about them even more, but I, you know, we want to know about their families. We want to know about all the other things that that's important to them. And again, that all ties into which I'm not going to get into the big spiel about what, what, what it ties into, but, um, it, it's, it's really, it's really, uh, just caring about that guy and, and, and earning, earning and proving their respect. And when I say well done is better than well said, I, I got to, we got to show them our coaching staff has to show those guys that we, we understand what it takes and we're willing to work hard. And, you know, you ask a play a player to run through the wall for you, you better be willing to run through the wall for them. And how can I, how can I say that, do that? 
by just absolutely working as hard as we possibly can to make sure guys are comfortable on and off the floor, make sure the guys know that they're prepared and, and, and that we're putting as much time in as they are to achieve our goal. And there's no hierarchy there. Once you walk into the rink, we're all together. Yeah, I'm going to make and have the last say on the top decisions. And, but, but at the end of the day, they, they know that we're all in it together. And that's the biggest message, really. Yeah, I guess I'm more wondering, again, too, how how that message is portrayed. Like, to how often mm-hmm. are they hearing? You're, you're, whenever you do interviews, whenever we chat with you, um, you know, you've got these 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 curtisms, these messages, and you're very on point and succinct with the messages, like good people make good teams and calm is contagious, honest effort, honest result. You know, you're very consistent with your messaging. Are the players hearing it as consistently? Like, is this messaging coming across during film sessions, at practice? Like, how often do these messages sort of come out of you to them? Well, it all depends on the situation. Like at the beginning of the year, you, you come in and, and you explain to them, you know, what what you believe in and, and what your coaching philosophies are and what your what the what the, the key to success has been in the past years and what we're trying to achieve going forward in Vancouver. Um, but then the messages come out throughout throughout key situations. There was opportunity at camp where you know, there's something that I didn't like and and we stopped everything and and there was a huge message there and it wasn't about a bad play. It was just about what we're going to believe in going forward and, and how how we're going to do things together when things don't go the way we all want them to go. So there's there's key moments, and I think the ability to understand, like if you walk in and you're waving flags with all those all those things that you're talking about, people are just going to tune, tune you out. So they're around. They're not your face all the time, but there's times when – when when they're going to come out and when and when you identify like i always like to have things that are tangible and this is this here's personal sacrifice for the better team this is it right now this is where it was right now on the floor today or when someone can't make something this is it this he's sacrificing for you guys he's putting you know himself behind the team and the team first and here it is example so you know just to say buzzwords everyone's got a whole you know toolbox full of buzzwords that they're going to use all the time but are things that I, 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 and we believe in in Vancouver are things that, that we, that will come out throughout the season and, and, and they happen for a reason and they're part of um, successful culture in the dressing room. And then that would translate to that on the floor and, and into the community. I love, I love that. That's great character definition and defining your values, the type of players you want in your room from a mental standpoint, but what about the physical skill set? of your teams. Can you define the blueprint or your plan for the ideal championship roster? Um, I do have a plan. I, I do, I do have a plan um, that I think that that's been, that's been successful over, over the years. You know, you, you want to obviously, you want to build from your goaltender out. I thought it was important that we re-signed Darren Bold. Um, and then it was, I thought it was very important that we, we added a good young goaltender in Connor O'Toole when we have a good young one in Aiden Walsh. So you, I, I believe personally, I mean, I've been taught, but again, my philosophies aren't Kermelowski philosophies. These are philosophies from guys that I've learned from and the guy to my right, which is Bobby McMahon. And I've, you know, that's how you kind of form them. And I'm, I'm fortunate and humbled to be on the call and having conversation to talk about the philosophies, but the credit of a lot of the philosophies go, or most of it, not all of them go to the people that I've surrounded myself with year after year. So, um, so to answer your question, based on all that, great information and those great people 
I believe that I've been taught, you know, you build from the goaltender out, you put a real good product in the back and then that, and, you know, we drafted Christian Dalbianco in Calgary when he was 19 years old, 18 years old, and did the same thing with Otuo here. He's another year junior left. And, you know, hopefully he's a guy that can carry, carry it on down the road. And, um, and then you, then you put in really good defense and you want to surround yourself with really good defenders. And, you know, cause you know, the old adage is, you know, I believe in it is, you know, defense wins championships, offense can win games, but defense wins championships. And you've seen year after year in the top goaltenders, you look at the last three years, you got Matt Vince, you got Dylan Ward, you have Christian Del Bianco that have won the championships and they're, you know, they're, they're in the top three of, if not the top three in the national lacrosse league. So, you know, and you try to aspire to try to, find a guy that can get into that, that upper echelon and when he's, when the time is right, that can actually make a difference. And then you, you want to make sure you have good young defenders and you want to make sure you have the veteran guys that can teach the young defenders. Like I said earlier, to be good pros on and off and, and understand the game and play on that side of the ball, whether it be le- le- paired with lefties or paired with righties, then you want to make sure that you, that you can run. You want to get up and down the floor. Um, is super important. So you got you need to obviously transitions big, and it takes a long time. In Calgary, it took us 16 years to put that group of guys, the Couriers, the Simpsons, and the guys that can get up and down the floor like like you wouldn't believe. And it. it takes time. So Vancouver, we're we're trying to do the same thing here, and following that Calgary blueprint that took us time to get to where they are. And um, you know, it, it's the same thing here. We're trying to bring young guys in with the other, older guys. And I'm a huge face-off guy. Possession's everything. Possession. I'm a possession coach. It doesn't go on unnoticed. That's part of it. We want to take care of the ball, and we get short clocked on offense here and there. We'll get better at getting the proper proper um, amount of seconds that we want in the offensive side of things. But possession's huge. So I thought, you know, we needed to, you know, with the injury to Hammer, we wanted to make sure we brought a face-off guy in, and and we did. And last year in Calgary, we traded up in the draft to get uh, Justin Anasio because I think it's super important. And unfortunately, he got hurt in Calgary, but he, you know, they'll reap the benefits of it this year. And you know, Willie was our guy last year in Calgary. Now we bring him over here because I think it's super important. And then, then you want to have a good mix of guys up front, obviously. And and it did, that's through the draft. Like no one's giving away great young offensive players. They're just this is not happening. So you can pick up, you know, great offensive players as as they're, you know, still relatively in their prime, or if they keep themselves in really good shape, that they're going to contribute. Like Crowley's in great shape. He's going to be a big part of it for us this year. And hopefully we're down the road, we'll be able to get some BC guys that want to come home um, that are still, you know, that are able to to leave because based on the CBA and and they want to be they want to play in front of family and friends. And we're hoping for that. But again, those guys are in their early 30s, mid 30s, some of them, right? So you know, you got it. You got to build your young guys through the draft. You got to draft goals. You know, we this year in the draft, and when Haley slid to seven, that wasn't going to be our pick. Um, he wasn't going to be our pick. It was going to be a D guy because we figured that teams would snap up all the O guys. And when Callum Jones went three, that changed the draft for us. And so, so then again, we now we have another opportunity to take a really good young offensive player for the future. Like I said, no one's giving those guys away, and you're going to have to give up a lot of draft picks to try to get one. And I've never been that coach in Calgary. We kept our GM in Calgary with Bordy. We kept all our first round picks. We, we, we kept things stocked in the cupboard for the most part. And um, not to say that as you get close, you might have to give up a bit of future, but for now, I, I'm just going to follow the philosophy of keeping your first rounders. So you try to pick up your old guys through the draft and then, and then you just try to, you know, obviously you got to stay healthy and, and then, and then you just got to have some luck. And if you get near the end of the year and you think you can make a move, you, you try to make a trade for somebody, but that's pretty much my, my blueprint for success. And, and uh, you know, again, um, you might have to change your system based on your personnel, but you're in the pro league. You, you probably, you have a pretty, you have your system and you have the ability to put guys that you think will be conducive to your system. So 
um, that's kind of what, what I think is successful and whether it is, whether it isn't, well, you know, it's been proven in the past. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. There it is. The Kurt Miloski championship team blueprint. I love that. I love how tangible that is because there's a lot of some of the coaches I've talked to and something I've been picking up a little bit on Kurt is that a lot of coaches will determine the culture based on what is there or what they have in front of them. But it sounds to me like you look at it a little bit more tangibly, like I'm going to build what I want, not cater to what I have putting matters into your own hands, which I, which I really like and respect. One other thing, there's a question I've been asking coaches and I've been, one of my favorite answers from guys so far has been when I ask who are the toughest kind of players to coach. We've heard about lazy players. We've heard about high ego players. I think that's such a tangible thing for people in, in all kinds of different industries. What are the toughest type of personalities and players to coach? Um, for me, I, you can look at it both ways. Like I, I don't, I didn't have a lot of like really tough players to coach. Like my philosophy, like if I get to come across a super smart guy, like I'm very impressed with, you know, with, with Charlotte Beatties and, and, and Baller and just their, their intelligence around the game. They understand it so, so well, you know, I, I never, I never, I've always had the respect of my, my, my players that I've coached that they never challenged me on things that there might be like Dobes and I, like when in the heat of the battle or, you know, Kinger's a super passionate guy. Um, but it's, we never cro- ever have to cross that respect line. And, it, and then it's just with those super smart guys, it's just like, we're sponging off each other and we're, and we're just, we're banging a lot of great ideas off each other. And then the guys that, the guys that are, that, that really just might not have that, that quick lacrosse IQ or, or be able to take a lot of plays in it at, at, at one time, you're like, man, I, I, I feel sorry for you is not a, not the right way to say it, but I care a lot about him. I want to, I want to help him. I want to put my arm around him and say, it's okay. Like, it's okay that you don't understand all these plays and I get it, but I'm here to help you. And you can, I can lean on, I can, you can lean on me to be able to do that. And then you got the ultimate competitors, where you're like, that's, that's who I am as a person. And you're in love with them. And the guys that when you refer to them as a lazy player, man, I don't deal well with those guys because to me, hard work and preparation is, is, is not a, is not a, it's, it's a choice. And if you choose not to work hard and you choose not to prepare yourself, then I have no problem choosing not to have you around. Mm -hmm. I just, you're, you're, you're not there. Like I won't spend a lot of time with a guy that doesn't care. And, and that comes down to how you form your team. And I think a lot of the coaches will say, when you identify someone that has an ulterior motive, or you identify someone that's looking like, and back to Dr. David Cox, social loafing, false effort. You give them a once, you give them a twice, and then it's like, it's time to move on. So um, I've never had really super challenges. I've Maybe I've been fortunate to have just phenomenal, phenomenal players and phenomenal teammates. But anyone that's kind of gone the, the wrong way, we just – we cut bait, you're gone. And and that's, and that's not because we don't care. We'll do everything we possibly can to help the person out. Um, but a lot of times if that happens, it's, it's, it's not so much what's happening on the floor. People have a lot of things away from their life and that that's pulling them in that direction. And they're probably not able to give you all the, the all the attention and time and commitment that, that the team needs and, or their teammates need. Um, and that's why you usually have to make those decisions. So, I think a part of coaching, the unique part of it is that you get everybody from, from, like I said, the high, high, high IQ guys that can, they could overload a ton of things to the guys that, that might struggle with structure, but yet have 
the creativity and the, and then, and the natural ability that's, that's special. But I think the biggest thing for, for me as a coach is being able to connect to all of them, no matter who you are and to show that, that what, what they are and who they are matters to you. And you can't fake that. Like you can't, you, you, I can't put my arm around a guy or go up to guy and, and ask him about something that I really don't give a crap about because belief is in a man's eyes. And I think that's one thing that I've been taught for me as a coach is I've always had a big heart. I always cared about the person next to me. I just, it's just my upbringing. It's, it's my mom. Um, but you know, I don't have a ton of challenges. I, I don't, I just think I've been very fortunate. We've been very fortunate to have great people around me and, but understanding, understanding the IQ guys and understanding the in-between guys and understanding the guys that need your support more than the other guys might need to is, is, is that, I think that's, that's a coaching skill. I think that's a skill in itself not to like, cause some guys will be like, I, I need all smart guys or I can't do it. I, mm-hmm. I need all the guys that are, you don't understand the game. Get out. You don't understand it. I don't need you. That's not who I would. I, that's not, that's not me. And that's, that's the part I think will keep me in the game for a long, long time is to see guys that, that, that maybe started off and struggling a little bit. And it's like, wow, their successes. And, I, and I've said this before, and I know I'm kind of sidetracking a bit, but I, the biggest part of me winning, like like being a part of that championship in Calgary, was watching the dads and the moms and the fa- and the kids celebrate with the players. Like I will never forget that. For the rest of my my coaching career, I'll never forget that. And I think that's what drives me is to be able to to, to hopefully give those guys that opportunity to be with their family and stuff and being at the top of the hill. And so, so it all starts with is how to get them to be the best version of themselves. So um, the, it, the ap- adaptability as a coach, coach individual as they are, and to get them to, 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 know, to believe that whatever they're going to do, whatever role that is, it's the most important thing on the, on the floor. And then recognizing it, recognizing when they do it. And that's, that's a skill again in itself. So just having different guys at different times all the time, is just, that's what keeps me in the game. I love it. With and that's, six guys I've coached, right? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 wild. And that's you know, you're gonna learn a lot about all of these guys. And the struggle the tough thing is about the National Lacrosse League is that you know, a lot of teams might look at it like, you know, you talk about those guys, the coaches or teams that might say, No, we don't have time to develop this because it is so tough. Like there's no real farm system. You got so many guys on your roster and a couple practice players, so it's tough to balance the development of individual players while you're trying to win championships. So how do you, how do you, how do you balance that? It is important obviously to get the most out of the underperforming players or the players that are just learning, but you know, do you have time to do that in the NLL where you're trying to win? Yeah, absolutely. You have to make time. You can, you, it's if, if you're, if you're going to skip all these steps and try to get to the, 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 the two steps later, that that's not an honest effort that's not following a process you're trying to get right to the outcome and i think teams that that'll do that will fail like if, if they're looking by and they're not you know i've been taught you know you need a good foundation you, you need you need solid pillars and you know what rod swatsky he was our chaplain in calgary he taught me so many life lessons too and just you don't you can't have those you can't have those those really shaky foundations. So if you're not and the, and the players are the foundation, like you you put a culture in, but they're the foundation of it. So if you're if you're not ingrained in their development and, and what they're going to bring to the team, 
and you're looking at we got to win the championship this is this is where we got to be you know i can't have that guy don't play him much sit him in the stands go get someone else i don't think those teams are successful i I really don't and that's that's the hardest part is is if you're not mentally disciplined enough to stay with it and and try to really coach up what you can because you can't just go dumping your 50 percent of your team away you can't you can't you just what you are what you draft and what you what you inherit and what you can pick up and then you kind of got to go so i think skipping those those developmental steps or 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 the 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 teaching of them um is is a detriment i i think i think you're it's like a house of cards you're just going to get knocked over if you don't have that good foundation so for me i you, you have to you, you have to you have to coach guys up and have the best versions of what they are and then as you go along through the season um then you'll start getting successful the year we won the championship you know bobby man is like i was going with my veterans he's like you got callies and slamas sitting here you need them they need to play if you want us to be successful so what did we do you sat down with each one of them and you broke down every single shift that they they had that game and you went through it and you plus minus it, plus minus it, plus minus it. And each, and I've done this before with some of my, my athletes and, and players and, and you show them, this is, this is, this is you, what you, what, what you do well, this is where you can do this. This is why, and to give them tangible things and coach them up. And that helps their development. And I, the feedback I've had for the guys that I've done that to is like, wow, coach, that was kind of a turning point for me. And I know I tip my hand to some things, but you, it's just, it's just hard work. And uh, you put the work in, then then they see that that they see the benefits of their development. So, to, to circle back and really answer your question, you need to spend like here's a guy, and I'm I know I bounce around, but here's a prime example: Marcus Clarenich. I thought he was like so soft in junior lacrosse, so soft. I was like, mm-hmm. man, he didn't want to enter the middle floor. But I watched him in camp, and I like what he did. And if he and he wants to learn, he's coachable, and he. He got rid of the stupid twister and he shot the ball like a man and you know, all that stuff. And he, and he, he, he impresses me. So for me, I'm excited to go see if, see if I can help Marcus Klarnich be a player, because I know if he's a player, the team will have more success. So the individual development of players is super important. Another guy, Wadi last year, Kyle Waters. We spent a lot of time with Wadi. What a teammate, what an outstanding individual, but he wanted to learn. He was in shape. He did whatever he needed to do and he learned from everything. And he was so smart. He's such a smart player. So those little, those little developmental keys for each guy. And, you know, and you got your, you got your other guys that the older guys that are, you know, everyone wanted to have something to say in the first couple of weekend, uh, first couple of hours in camp, because they knew it all. But then we went to the next layer of the offense and everyone just kind of stood there and went, wow, I didn't understand. I didn't know that was a part of it. So all that stuff is you got to continue to develop each player individually. And then that builds that foundation. So that's more time and effort, but identifying that and what each guy needs and uh, making it important. It's Brad, you know, it's a great question. It's, it's, if you go by it, you're not going to be successful. And it goes back to paying it forward too. You're making that player better. Who knows who he's making better down the road. When you're showing guys film like that though, are you highlighting positives for the most part are you showing the negatives as well oh i'm all about both yeah it's it's what i see you know if, if you're not going to get off the floor hard you're going to see it we 35 percent of our goals last year that were scored in vancouver were directly related to changes 35 percent. wow changes no changes. so then you, had, you, then you have to show a guy here's you not getting to the bench and this is why it led to this goal well, yeah 100 yeah. you get the good with the bad like you, there's a there's a good mix you don't want to you know, if, if we get pounded 17 to eight and, you know, it's not going to be a good night for film, but you know, if that's the part that's important is that you, 
you make sure you understand systematic stuff. Someone doesn't go to the middle or they don't make the right play or they miss a key loose ball. You're going to hear it. But when they go through three guys and they get, they get pounded or that guy cuts the middle and the guy fills in behind and he scores on it. Those are the things I think that, that really make a difference and get guys continuing to do what they want to do for the team because they might, some guys might not see that and might not see that the guy, you know, I'm sure he picked up a loose ball, threw it off the guy and got ripped the shot. But what about the guy that cut the middle that actually got high sticked in the teeth and the guy behind him filled in beside him, behind him and got a great look that needs to get recognized. That's the things that, mm-hmm. that, that really gets a team. That's what I talk about buy-in that's buy-in because you, you gotta be, you have to have the ability to see that and to recognize it. So the guys know exactly what, what they're, what they're doing and why, why it's, why it's working and why, and when it's getting rewarded for it. So I, I, you know, you get the good and the bad with the film, but there needs to be a rhyme or reason. It needs to be fresh and it can't be too long. And, um, it's there's I think there's a it's it's, again that's a skill too you have to watch so many different things when you're preparing your team you got to break down probably your offense and the other team's offense and your defense and their defense and how they're getting on and off the floor Mm -hmm. so you know how many times do you need to watch a game to break to break it down like is there is there a recipe for that well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, Brad, we go back for a long time and I, and I won't hold too much stuff back. It's not that it's going to make that much of a difference from a competitive advantage, but I, I don't take the huddle clips. I don't take the ones sent from the league. I watch the games myself because you, because you're going to miss something if you just go watch all the offensive clips and all the defensive clips. So I'll watch our complete game and I'll watch the other teams um, two weeks per complete game. Then I'll watch their, their most recent complete game. So that I can see all that stuff, and then I converse with our D coaches and and O coaches, and and these are the things that I see, and you know, and then they're gonna go and grab all their clips, and they're gonna be working their tails off as well. But you know, just being able to watch that whole game and see everything, because if you just if you just watch face off after face off after face off, you don't see the line play, you don't see where guys are set up, you don't really get a good dynamic of it, and you know, some camera views are better than others, but. Um, you know, just being able to watch that whole game and soak it in, you can pick up all those little things and, you know, changes are important, you know, talk lock changes, changes, changes. He taught me that. And that's something that stuck with me, you know, for, for day one, when I was with Burnaby and, and that's something that's ingrained, but, you know, just watching those, those changes and, and just seeing how guys come on and off the floor. So watching a full raw game and then breaking it down from there, yeah, it takes you a lot longer, but you don't, but you don't miss much. So I'll, uh, and then as it, as it goes down the season, as you get going a little deeper into the playoffs, you'll watch more and more. And, and as you prepare your team for the playoffs, you'll be, you'll watch, you'll, you'll be involved in, in, in the lion's share of their games, if not all of them, depending on what you're trying to clip for your team to give them the best chance to be successful. So it, it's just work. It's just time. You just got to put the time in. And I think if you put your eyes, if you put your eyes on enough film and you put your eyes in, in raw video, you, you pick up trends, you pick up tendencies where I don't think you can pick that up by just watching clip after clip, but you need buying, you need hours, man. It takes a long time. And there's your sacrifice. You know, I talked to the guys about it and there's your sacrifice from your family and, and this, the sacrifice that your other coaches do, you know, Bobby's with us in Vancouver. Robbie's with us in Vancouver. Tyler Riches is with us in Vancouver. Whitey stayed with us in Vancouver because they work extremely, extremely hard. And that's the, the, the mindset of having like, like-minded people around you that will do that, that will spend hours. Robbie Williams spends it. Like, ridiculous, man. I love the kids so much. And I, I don't like getting emotional when I talk about him, but... Um, Go for it. I hope he hears this. He, the work ethic he has 
it's it's inspiring and uh you know the, we do that as a as a group and, and the scouting reports that bobby turns out best in the business in my personal opinion and but that takes hours and hours you just so if you want results if you want to if you, you want to give that that honest there's an example where you'd say honest effort honest result there's an example where you could tell your players and they, you don't have to say it they just know that you're going to mm-hmm. put that honest effort in doing film that much film all week and how can we help not get a great result lacrosse gods everything tied into that that's just life you know what you put in is what you get out you put your name to it you do the best of your ability and uh and and that's that's old georgie cockhill i'm not dropping names but these are the people that frame me like taught me you know my video guy's dad uh, you know that's georgie taught me so much working at riverview hospital as an electrician go figure you know what wow. I mean? That's tied into my tied into my work ethic. Yeah. You know, like so <laughs> it's just it's it so it's so much. And uh, you know, you got all those people. I I, I don't know, it sounds goofy, but you you're you're doing it for them. Like they did it for you when you were a young guy, you're doing it for them. So that stuff just drives me and I do watch a lot of film in my spare time. So it's enjoyable. Appreciate the honesty there, Kurt. I know it's sometimes it's it's um you know, you know, like peeling back the curtain a ton. So I do really appreciate that, that, that aspect. And, you know, it's something that I think all all people can learn from, whether it's players or people that are around the league, like, it's just, you gotta, you have to make that sacrifice. You have to dive in, you have to work hard and it's tough sometimes. So um, one thing I think I've always, um, when talking to you before games, you, you've never underestimated a point. You've always respected your opponent, no matter who it is. A team could be coming in one in 15, to Calgary and you're giving them the utmost respect. Why is that so important? And where does that come from? I've always been that way. I've always been like, you know, I, I just, I never, never be disrespectful, never dis- disrespect an opponent, never disrespect the game. Respect is big for me. And and I've always, I, I don't think overvalue is the right word for it, but I prepare like, like that this is, the, the, they're, they're better than we are. And I've always, I really focus on, looking at the analyzing that team, their strengths and weaknesses, how we can attack them, um, their individual tendencies, all that stuff, I think really helps our team prepare. And then obviously it ties into our, our philosophies and offensively and defensively. Like you have to be proactive. You know, I know defense is a reactionary position, but we have to be proactive understanding what the other team is going to do. And, and and if there's tells and there's tendencies and there's personnel control plays and, and they like to do this and that, and we can pick up on some of the systematic play they do, then there's an advantage for you. And then, you know, obviously when you, when you're going against other team defenses and they got systems and you want to try to beat them based on their system, thinking that they're doing the right thing and they're not really figuring out that you're actually beating them on what they perceive to be a strength. You can have, you can have some advantages there. So I've always been a guy that, that, that I wouldn't say over prepares. I only know one way and, and it's, it's, it's pedal down gas on all the time. And, uh, I've always, I've always really focused on, I, I, I give everybody respect. There's no, there's no bad teams in national lacrosse league. There's none. There's no bad coaches in national lacrosse league. Everybody's very, very good at what they do. And they have, everyone has very good players. So I, I've always been the one this to really prepare as much as I possibly can to give our best team, our team, the best chance to, to be successful. And, uh, and it all comes down to respect and humility, really. You know, you talk a lot about, the guys you've lent you you've leaned on Bob McMahon and 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 Terry Sanderson and and Les Bartley and you know you're, you've stolen these philosophies from them or adapted these philosophies from them. Where else do you improve? Maybe outside of lacrosse? Like do you do you read books? Do you watch documentaries? Do you steal stuff from other sports? Like what else can you input to to improve yourself uh, every summer? 
Yeah, I wasn't with Les that long, just Team Canada stint, but I, I learned a lot. But um, yeah, you know, Bobby, Bobby's a, a, a just just a dude. <laughs> he's just like he's the ultimate family man. Like like I I go to him for ninety nine percent of my uh, just my kids, my family, and you know, I just you just surround yourself with with really good people that teach you. I don't always talk. I'm not as much as people think. I'm twenty four lacrosse, twenty four seven. You know, my family's is more important to, to me than anything. So, you know, when we're having conversations with other people and I'm having conversations, it's, it's about, uh, it's about, it's about family and it's about learning. You know, I learn from, I, I learn from my kids. I, I learn from my wife. I you know you, you learn from, you know, I learn from Robbie Williams. We talk about our families all the time. You know, we're really close friends, but a lot of our conversations are about how's, how's your girls and how's the boys and you know, what are you doing? That's, that's, a, that's how I kind of, that's what I, you know, I'm not a big, read a big book guy. You know, I, my son plays hockey and I, I talk to a lot of the parents and, you know, you, you find that some certain people that you, that you, they have, you're like-minded and, you know, they do other jobs. They might not even be, they may be a basketball guy, Petey Baines, one of my, one of the boys, dads, you know, I've come to know him really well. And he's, he's, you know, you go look for him at the rink, you want to talk to him and just cause, you know, just, just life conversations about kids. And, you know, when you get to meet people that are, selfless that aren't in it for themselves or in it for trying to trying to cheat their kids way up the ladder in whatever way shape or form and you know those are the people that you kind of hang out with and you it just it just happens you know you just start hanging out people so i you know i got a pretty good friend group but it's not big but it's it's people that i i really care about and you know i'm not a a little movie once in a while you know jill they'll twist my arm and we'll i'll drop a couple hours on one but usually it's it's uh it's just being around good people, to be honest with you. And does that help you then relate if you're walking through life and soaking up these different conversations and learning about different people and experiences that must in turn help you relate to your players and converse with them and learn more about them and what makes them tick. For sure. And that again, that, you know, you talk about experience, you can't buy it on the lacrosse floor experience. You can't buy it in life. You know, another one of my really good friends is Steve Dietrich. Like he's, I think he's the best GM in the National Lacrosse League, personally. Um, I think he's outstanding. And, uh, you know, he, I lean on him all the time. You know, we joke about our families and, and our wives and we have, you know, but he's he's taught me more than he probably thinks that 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 he does, that he has. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for a guy like that. And, you know, Dawick and Paul Day, I got so many good people in the game. You know, I jammer. There's so many good people around the league that you get to, that you get to know. And and they, 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 you, I listen, I love listening to Pat Coyle. I think he's great. You know, you just listen to some of these guys and um, I'm always learning. You, you, you listen, you know, I got to meet Michael Doyle down at the, at the rink and I'm just, my eyes are wide open. I'm just listening to what he's got to say. And, you know, like I said, you get in front of the Aquilinis and, and man, I might, that's how you learn. That's how you get your life experience. Just being around the people like that, that, that you feel that, that are, that are genuine, that, that really care about other people. And that's, that's what it is. And, and, I think good people gravitate to good people. I really do. And, and uh, we got so many good people in this great game. So I'm just fortunate to be a part of it. Does it ever get tough for you? Like when a season is, is a losing streak or, you know, you've just gone from the NLL to the summer without taking a break. Like, is it ever a time where you're like, man, this is, there's a lot happening right now. Like, how do you, how do you step back and relax if ever? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's that, that's that balance where you, you know, I, I, I told, I told them, I told, uh, the family in Vancouver that, you know, there's time where 
Like I don't want to over overwhelm myself and and have something go wrong medically. I really don't. I think about that, and I'm being I'm being truthful and honest. That you, you do, and you just have to have that fine line where you know I'm just I'm just going to go watch my son play hockey. I'm just going to shut off my brain and I'm just going to watch my son play hockey. And you know that the the ability to be able to do that is have those great people around you that support you that are able to pick up the slack here and there when you're when you're doing you just had enough. And, you know, and you know, I, I got, if anyone, everyone knows Jilda, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? She grabs you by the neck and says, we're doing this or we're doing that. And, and I just kind of know, you know, I just kind of go along with it. So just having that real, just understanding the balance in life and understanding, you know, that you do trust the good people that, that let you know and say, Hey, you need a night off or, or you recognize you need a night off. Yeah. So would I take nights off? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I do. And then, you know, spend them with the family. And like I said, watching the kids play sports and, just, just being able to get around, you know, parents and dads and moms, and and just and just think about other things other than than lacrosse all the time. But again, it's it's not it's not as much as it should be. You know, my wife keeps me in line when it, the important things, but I, I I spend a lot of time in the game. But um, I try to do get away when I can. What do the lacrosse gods mean to you? It all ties back to like what you put in is what you get out. I. I'm uh, the respect and humility are things I've been brought up with right from the time I was young with my parents and my, and, you know, my mom taught me. And, and then, and then you just be around those coaches that are like, you respect the game and, and the game, the game's given me everything in my life. I, I wouldn't, I met my wife at the man cop in Brantford and, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I went through a real tough childhood and my mom made sure I was at the games and, and my neighbors made sure I was at the games, but and my teammates' parents made sure I was at the games in North Delta when I was seven, eight years old. So, um, you know, that's all part of lacrosse gods taking care of a family that probably needed it. And uh, um, it's just, it means everything to me. Like, I, you just do things the right way. You do the things the right way in life. You do the, the, the right things around around the game of lacrosse. Um, I, it, whether the, some people call it lacrosse gods, some people call it karma. It probably boils down to just be a good person, and 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 I think if you, I think if you're if you're paying respect to the game and, and you know the creators' game and all those, all, you know all the people that came before you and, and brought the game forward, I, I just I just think that 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 lacrosse god aspect takes care of itself because you're doing it the right way and and you're not doing it because for any self-serving reasons. You're doing it because you generally care. And you care about the game and you care about the people that are around it. Cause if I don't think if I'm not in the game and I was introduced to the game, me and my uncle, when I was uncle Al, when I was, you know, five years old in East Vancouver, threw me a wood stick and said, let's go. This is what it's all about. And I'll never forget it. And uh, you know, the years playing down in Clarny, like all that stuff is, is it kind of, that's all part of lacrosse gods. You know, I think you're meant to be, you know, I think you're, you know, I'm not a totally spiritual guy. Most guys would be like, most you're not at all, but it just, there's a path for you. And, and, uh, and it, my path was to be part of the game. And I think, I think you just respecting it. And I think you just get that respect from, from the lacrosse gods and, and, and the game shines down on you as, as you're out there trying to promote and working hard for it. Well, I, I think that is spirituality. Like the lacrosse is the religion so I do think that is they may not say you're spiritual. That sounds pretty, pretty spiritual to me, Kurt. Um, listen, man, like this is I'm absolutely blown away from this last hour. This is the exact reason why I wanted to start this podcast because I want people to hear 
your story and not just your story, but all the coaches across the National Lacrosse League. And this was a kind of exactly what I envisioned when I came up with this idea. So and it was inspired by you. So I really appreciate it, Kurt. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, I'll, I'll see you soon, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. You're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. We'll talk soon. Kerbalowski, head coach of the Vancouver Warriors of the National Lacrosse League. My name is Brad Challoner. Thank you for listening. This has been Coaches Calls, conversations with the leaders of lacrosse. We do this every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. And hopefully 2024 is your best year yet. Thanks so much for hanging out and lots in store for this season. We'll see you down the road. Peace.